Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this Thursday evening. It is August 10th, 2023, and I'm so excited to see you here once again. It is 7 o'clock p.m. I don't know why I'm telling you all these things, because we are also going to put this up on podcast platforms in the audio-only version. We have some relatively big news, nothing crazy coming out today, just the usual actually really big stuff that no longer seems big because we now have so much of it. Um, stuff coming out about the Bidens, stuff coming out about the investigation there. That is not what I want to start out with. I want to start out with some actually fun stuff and a deep philosophical question for you guys. So we are going to jump into tonight's conversation with a conversation about the Persids. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are interested in stargazing, but if you are not familiar with meteor showers, you should be because they're amazing and they're a chance to get away from it all. Turn off all the technology, isolate yourself completely, get out and look at the dark night sky for as long as you like and you will see some really cool stuff. So let's read a little bit about this. Then we're going to talk about a celebrity. Then we're going to talk about uh, the CIA secret method to reduce pain. And then we'll get into the current events news stuff because this stuff is actually at least as interesting as current events stuff. We just never talk about it because current events takes over so much of our attention. I don't think it's good for us. Good evening, everyone. Hello, Whisper. Hello, Boof. Hello, Mr. Proxy. Hello, Sir Ranko. Glad you're all here tonight. I love our little crew. The 2023 person meteor shower peaks in America this weekend. Here's when, where, and how to see hundreds of shooting stars. The why, of course, is very obvious. And this is... The why. Let me see if I can pull up this picture and make it bigger. It doesn't look like I can. This is so cool. So these are considered the best meteor shower of the year. The pieces of space debris that interact with our atmosphere to create the meteor shower originate from the swift Tuttle Comet. And we're going to read some about that. NASA calls the person a fireball champion because of its dazzling display. One of the most beautiful celestial events of the year takes place this week. And I always love August because the persons always pop up around about this time of year. And it's really fun. I remember when I lived in Greeley, Colorado, I was able to easily go outside and see what's going on in the sky because there was very little light. Now, if you live somewhere urban or even suburban, anywhere near light, you're going to want to get out away from the city. And they have tips on how to do that in this article. So let's get into it. Skywatchers across the U.S. and Canada will be among the best able to enjoy the dazzling meteor shower, which occurs when the Earth plows through debris left behind by the swift tidal comet during its trip through the inner solar system. It will reach its peak in North America from August 12th to 13th and remain visible until September 1st. Astronomers say the persons, like all meteor showers, are best viewed with the naked eye in areas with clear skies, low light pollution, low smog, and a wide view of the sky. Here's what to know if you want to make the most of it. The meteors are called the Persids because they seem to dart out of the Perseus, a constellation in the northern sky which itself is named after the Greek mythological hero Perseus, which we know. First, check the weather forecast before you head out. Obviously, that's the most basic thing that gets in the way when you're going to look for meteors. Forecasters say people in the U.S. and Canada will have a good view this year as long as the sky is clear of light pollution and clouds. Don't use binoculars or telescopes. Allow your eyes time to adjust. It can take up to half an hour for them to get used to the sky. And if you are looking at your phone, it's going to take longer. The best time to see anything is when the sky is at its darkest and when the target is at its highest position in the sky. So for meteor showers, this usually occurs between midnight and the very early hours of the morning. So expect to make a night of it and have fun with it. Uh, It's really fun to take a picnic out and just have like a nighttime picnic. 
Um, two of the best spots to see the persons this year will be along the Pacific and Atlantic coasts of the United States. Very cool. Gonna check that out. Overall, the Northern Hemisphere will have the best views globally, according to Dr. Robert Massey of the Royal Astronomical Association. The radiant for the Persids, the point in the sky the meteors appear to come from, is Perseus. That's right. 58 degrees north of the celestial equator, which means it would be overhead from 58 degrees north. So it's a little bit of an aside, but I love this kind of stuff because it's something that goes so often overlooked. And I'm a huge fan of actually going outside and soaking in the nature a little bit when you can. Now, admittedly, in Florida in August, that's rather challenging to do since I really don't want to be outside for more than like 10 minutes at a time. Um, it's a pain in the neck to go out and walk dot because I get really easily overheated trying to stay hydrated, trying to move as much as I can, but the heat is crippling. So if you have the option to go outdoors and it's not too hot or crazy, you should definitely do so. They're traveling up to 133,000 miles per hour. Holy cow, that's crazy. Very cool. All right, you guys, make sure you check that out. Now let's talk about our celebrity of the evening. When I found out that Lindsay Lohan um, had a baby and had also gotten married and no one knew anything about it, I was like, wow, hat tip to her. I think that's super cool. That's the way you should do it. And she looks very happy. And in this article, they're talking about what she thinks about motherhood and what she thinks about not being a feminist. So I'm really excited for this one. Lindsay Lohan is not buying one of the primary whoppers of feminism that incubating and having babies is peak female oppression. Oh, I like this title. I'm going to read this title to see if you guys can get the mini joke. Lindsay Lohan rejects feminism's lie that parenthood is a trap. You get it? Because she was in a movie called Parent Trap. Uh, I remember that movie from when I was younger. actually enjoyed it because I actually really liked Lindsay Lohan because I had her kind of reddish hair and she reminded me a little bit of myself. I think she's probably about my age too, which is cool. The actress, perhaps best known for playing both Troublemaking Twins and the Parent Trap remake some 25 years ago, recently gave birth to a healthy baby boy named Lu- Luau, Luai, and posted her first postpartum picture on Instagram on Wednesday. I am so proud of what this body was able to accomplish during these months of pregnancy and now recovery. Having a baby is the greatest joy in the world, she wrote to her 13.8 million followers, going on to plug her outfit of the day and drop a reference to Mean Girls, another cult classic that helped make her famous. My outfit of the day lately is my Freedom Mom postpartum underwear. (laughs) Freedom Mom is a really good company that I've been examining. I need to buy some of their stuff because I'm going to need it because it's going to feel like I've been kicked downstairs after I get done having this baby. It's not going to have fun. It's not going to be fun. And they offer really cool, soothing products for moms who are recovering from birth. Because I'm not a regular mom. I'm a postpartum mom. Good for her. Love it. So cute. Oh, yeah, these are the underwear. Oh, they look like boy shorts. I love it. She's rocking them. Good on Lohan for stating that she would be obvious, that what should be obvious both biologically and socially, but isn't. Bringing new life into the world and cultivating a family is one of life's fullest joys. I appreciate also that she's emphasizing that it's hard work and it's hard on your body because it is, and it pays to be realistic about this stuff. But at the end of the day, it undoubtedly will bring you the greatest amount of joy it's possible to have. While most celebrities try to convince themselves and the watching world that the path to success is paved with abortion, it's always refreshing to hear the true message that embracing what our bodies were designed to do brings the utmost fulfillment. Women have a totally unique and kick-butt ability to incubate a human life from the moment of conception and then labor through the intense task of bringing that whole new person into the outside world. 
And there's a reason I'm told that it is called labor because it's a lot of work and you don't get a break. Sounds exciting. I am looking forward to that. Let me tell you. I have a plan. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. I know I'm up for it, but ladies literally create families and communities and nations all with the insane power that is out of our bodies. Oh, you made partner. That's nice. She made people. (laughs) I respect it. How the heck did multiple generations get duped into thinking our uteruses gave us a raw edge of the, the raw end of the deal? That's what happens when you convince yourself and the rest of your sex that C-section scars are less admirable than C-suites and that managing a household is lame compared to managing a marketing department. At the end of the day, who's going to care more about you as a human being, your household or your marketing department? Probably the former, just saying. Radical feminists don't just lie about what babies do to careers, though. They resent what babies do to bodies. Goodbye, hourglass. Hello, saggy, puffy, human burp cloth. Ever notice how body positivity feminists love obesity but loathe the idea of a little baby weight? Yeah, they really, really do. And it's really kind of disgusting. But I guess it goes hand in hand with everything that they're saying. And we know it's all a lie. And I know Whisper is in the same boat with me. She's due in December. I'm due in October. It's very exciting. At least she's done it a few times before. This will be my first time. And it's rather intimidating the first time around. In an attempt to have babies but avoid the dreaded body changes, some celebrities turn to the exploitative surrogacy industry. Just ask Khloe Kardashian how that goes. Last July, Kardashian's son Tatum was born after being created in a lab through an in vitro fertilization and then implanted in a surrogate. It compromised their mother-son bond, she explained, lamenting, lamenting that she wished people were more honest about the harsh realities of rending a womb. Yeah, she had some really devastating words about getting a surrogate mother. I felt really guilty that this woman just had my baby, she said of the surrogate. I take the baby and I go to another room and you're sort of separated. It's such a transactional experience because it's not about him. Yeah, I'm glad she realized that. And I honestly hope that she sticks up for the conversation about surrogacy because she said she wished that more people would be more honest about it. She has the option to do that. Is she going to take it? She's a Kardashian, so probably not, but it would be in line with her values to do so. If the Kardashians ever fall through on their values, I don't feel like they do. So many prevailing narratives about female physiology are just vicious lies. On the one hand, you don't have to look any further than Lizzo to know that body positivity movement is a death spiral, a postmodern attempt to shun healthy natural beauty in favor of grotesque self-destruction. But there's nothing ugly or unhealthy about a postpartum body. Lohan gets this right, showing off her new figure because it's really about what this body was able to accomplish and that's something to be proud of. Take a cue from Lindsay, embrace your body's potential, and don't fall for feminism's tired lies. Parenthood is not a trap. It is the greatest joy in the world. Absolutely. And I'm so happy to see her celebrating it. That is going to make her so much happier in the long run than any kind of career. I don't think that any kind of career could ever compare to being a parent. Whisper said, it is, even though this is my third, I'm still nervous. Never ever goes as planned. Nothing ever goes as planned. Yes, so I hear. So I'm really trying to be super flexible. A lot of my initial plans have already caved in. So I'm just like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens at the end of the day, as long as I don't end up taking any fentanyl for pain, because fentanyl does affect your baby. It's not just about you. That's all I care about. And I want to avoid a vacuum and forceps for my baby. Just trying to keep the baby safe. Literally the only thing I care about. So that was really wholesome. Now I have something that's horrifying. If you guys are ready for that, we are doing some super whiplash today, but I promise we will get into the Biden subpoenas. The CIA has a secret method to make pain go away and TikTokers believe it works. Now, 
Before we start, would any of you guys use a CIA secret method to make pain go away? I don't know if I would because I'm staring down the barrel of um, labor and who knows, whatever works, right? But at the same time, I really, really doubt anything that the CIA has to say. But let's read. TikTok users are convinced that a CIA cheat code from a 1977 declassified document is able to make your pain disappear. The special method was developed by the Monroe Institute of Applied Science as part of the CIA's Gateway Program. Now, I don't know anything about the Gateway Program, so let me look it up. Gateway. Catch my breath. Try not to hiccup. It's great stuff. Process? No, I don't want the Gateway Process. I want the program. What? Okay. Ooh. I feel like we're going into this, the uh, friggin' X-Files here. Who are we? In 1958, Robert Monroe, a New York broadcasting executive, began having experiences that drastically altered his life. Unpredictably and without willing it, Monroe had found himself leaving his physical body to travel via a second body to locales far removed from the physical and spiritual realities of his life. Whoa! This got off to a wild start. Holy cow, I'm so glad we're covering this. This is great. I love this stuff. With some trepidation, he wrote a book about his experiences. Doubleday published Journeys Out of the Body in 1971. Anchor brought out a second edition in 1977. Throughout the book, Monroe uh, maintains the stance of a careful, objective reporter who often reports his own confusion in this unusual area. He relies upon personal experiences for interpretation rather than any occult, religious, or spiritual framework. Well, if you are confronted with a weird phenomenon, I think that's probably the best direction to go in. Booth says, wait, what? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's continue. In the 1960s, Monroe became interested in the possible connection between nonverbal audio patterns and brainwave rhythms. Nonverbal audio patterns. Interesting. For his long experience with sound, he advanced from rotating disc circuit breakers to sophisticated custom-built signal generators and the production of tape recordings in which he has as many as 16 patterns of sound mixed together on stereo channels. Now, this would be right up Andy's alley. Andy is constantly talking about waves, and that means sound, that means light, all the physics stuff that I don't fully understand. He would love this stuff. I have to send this to him. So glad we discovered this tonight. I love interesting stuff like this. Let's see. Where were we? Drawing upon his discoveries and the work of others, he employs a system of binaural beats. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. Those are on YouTube. If you're trying to fall asleep, you put them in your headphones and they're supposed to send like waves through your brain. Very, very weird. Not entirely sure how they work. Maybe there's something to them. Maybe they're just a bunch of nothing. Could go either way, but it sounds like this might have been where they originated from. Um, to create a frequency following response by the brainwave rhythms, the FFR not only gives some control over the brainwave emission of each hemisphere, it also promotes brainwave synchronization between the two hemispheres. Now, I don't know enough about the brain. Actually left, um, I actually left community college before we got into the brain and anatomy and physiology. Even though I was loving AMP, there was a job that beckoned to me in New Jersey that I felt like I had to take. I had no choice. Unfortunately, I don't know. That means I don't know enough about the brain to, to really speak to this. It promotes brainwave synchronization, right? In May 1975, he received a generic patent for this method. Interesting. In 1971, the Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences were found, was founded and located in the foothills of the Blue Ridge in Virginia. Uh -huh, of course it was. 
I swear, Virginia is where all this creepy stuff happens. Just because it's partly just because it's so close to DC. I always feel sketched out driving through. Like we drove down through Virginia on the way down here to Florida a couple times. And every time I was so sketched out by all the government buildings, all the secrecy, all the weird stuff there. Goodness gracious. Let's see what they're up to. What are we doing? We are instructing and training individuals in the art of switching perceptual modes. The art of becoming more something. Uh, conscious of one's particular inner resources, inner abilities, and most of all, of one's inner guidance. Woo! I don't know what that means. No idea. From Samadhi and Satori to the vision quest and the cloud of the unknown, of unknowing, cultures in all times and places have harbored a few individuals who reached and practiced profound levels of self-exploration. This is something Joe Rogan should get into. How interesting. Most of these individuals practice within a mythology and an epistemological groundwork by which they could interpret and give meaning to their own experiences. Present day Western epistemology, just recovering from an entrancing flirtation with materialism, provides little in the way of a ladder toward other perceptual modes. So, in a nutshell, the, gate the Gateway Program and the Monroe Institute were talking about different modes of experimentation and being, okay? So that's the background for this article. Long foray, so let's see what TikTok has to say about that. That'll bring us right back to reality. The special method, right, this is a type of training with the aim of changing states of consciousness and to lead to a gateway into different modes of perception, right? Just read that. The Gateway Intermediate Workbook writes that to reduce pain, you should close your eyes and then visualize the part of your body that is in discomfort. The method requires you to look at the area of your body in question. After this, you should then repeat the number 55515 in your head. This sounds like a load of nonsense. Would you guys consider trying this? I know that some of you guys have really bad back pain. I always know that getting my blood pressure taken, which I do twice a day, is really, really uncomfortable. I've had back spasms in the past. I had a shoulder surgery that led to me basically just telling people, if you have rotator cuff issues, just don't get the surgery. It's so awful. The recovery is insane. The first night, it felt like my shoulder was being separated with a pickaxe. It was awful. But this is really making me curious. The bizarre technique is placed in the section of the workbook summarizing a list of daily tools, which it says are for use in your physical walking life. But TikTokers have been left flabbergasted by the seemingly no-frills method, which they claim works. TikToker Stephanie, who experienced chronic back pain as a result of a car accident, told her following of nearly half a million, on their techniques for their for the daily life, I tried and it worked and it freaked me out. In the short clip, which is over 6 million views, she stated the document was utilized to interact with non-physical energies. Okay, that just sounds shady to me as somebody who's just like becoming more and more aware of like weird dark energy out in the world and having a religious background. That seems not good. A witch, according to her, was fundamental to the CIA's Project Stargate research. And knowing the CIA, they would 100% dabble in all sorts of occult nonsense if they could get away with it, which they can, of course. But Stephanie, hello, Dip. Yeah? Dip's chipping in. He says, Wah? Stephanie isn't the only one who has been left baffled by the technique. One user commented, okay, I'm freaking out. I have lower back pain and the pain went away. Now, then my other question becomes, if this does work, how often do you have to do it? Because I also happen to know that if you pinch the skin between your thumb and forefinger, like pointer finger right here, if you pinch it, you can help headaches, which is interesting, right? The only problem is that you have to keep doing it forever, basically, until your headache fully goes away for real. 
So it's not really helpful. I mean, it helps a little if you need like a moment's clarity from your headache, but at the same time, it's not something that's actually going to solve the problem like a Tylenol or something. Not everyone's convinced. One person quipped, people act like they don't know about this placebo, the placebo effect. Right. That's the other thing. You can fool yourself into anything. And if anyone knows that, it's the CIA who's actually done research in how to make people go against their own natural and biological instincts. The material contained herein is intended for the personal and private use only by those who have completed the first session of the Gateway Program. This sounds like a cult. The attempted application by others may result in undesirable and uncontrolled effects detrimental to any such unauthorized user. Dun dun dum. The Gateway Intermediate Workbook can be accessed via the CIA website. If you're suffering with chronic or any kind of pain, you should always consult your GP. You can find your local GP here. Good for them. Yeah, so I just thought that was super interesting, and I thought the whole CIA connection was a little weird, and I might have to link this underneath the video today, because what is the Monroe Institute, and what the heck is he doing over there? Booth says, I'll stick with Advil. Thank you. Yes, 100%. Bellius says, auto-hypnosis. It's possible that you are maybe hypnotizing yourself a little bit. Um, I do pre I do personally place great stock in the power of visualization, because I have worked on meditating myself. Dip is biting me, and I'm going to kick his butt if he doesn't stop. I hope you heard that. Go away. Don't make me spritz you. Oh my gosh, I don't even have my bottle to spritz him with. He's being a pain today. I'm not sure why. Anyway, I'm going to leave you guys with a philosophical question. We're just going to read the headline from this article, and then we're going to move on. But I'm going to ask it in the form of a question. Andy and I have been going back and forth about whether or not humans are fundamentally good or fundamentally flawed. Now, I was raised in a super, super religious black background, and the basic understanding was that all humans have sinned and gone astray. Each one of us is going their own way, whatever. I forget what the verse is. This is the headline that I found super fascinating. Top mountaineers were more interested in setting records than saving the life of a porter who died on K2 as climbers walked over him. As critics reveal, explorers threw a party afterward and said they treat local guides as second-class humans. Drone footage shows dozens of climbers left Porter Muhammad Hassan to die. Hassan was just 1,300 feet from the top of the 28,300-foot-tall 20, K2 mountain. Now, this to me feels like confirmation that people are just fundamentally so shallow and so self-focused that they're literally willing to let other people die if it means that they can get their photo op at the top of a mountain. And then they will go on to throw a little party at the end. I'm just saying. Um... Andy would say that people would be more willing to take the chance and do good if they were given the opportunity to do so. But I think that when it's easiest, when you could, for example, just walk over someone who's lying on the ground, people will happily, willingly do that. And from what I understand about what uh, what happened in Maui with the fires, they actually did that with an older lady who was lying on the side of the road. Exact same effect. It's easy to just not do anything so people don't. And I find that to be the basic state of human nature. I don't view that I don't view that as being positive. This is part of the reason that I don't put great trust in human beings. And I'm only saying this because Andy's not in the chat tonight, not there to defend himself. He had something come up at work. I'm just kidding. But we have been kind of going back and forth on this over the course of the last couple of weeks and I just it's depressing, but I don't know. He's not really convincing me and every time I come up with a headline like this, I'm just like, yo, Humans are awful, just generally awful. 
Lori Lemon says, I believe we're fundamentally flawed. I kind of agree. Prince Namora says there was nothing you could do at that point on the mountain. So is it really okay for people to just walk over someone who needed help without even trying to help at all? I don't think it was. Even if it did seem hopeless, you should at least make an effort. And especially if you were motivated by the idea of getting to the top so that you could just take your little picture and go back down and literally throw a party. Don't like that. Mr. Proxy said, if that happened to my hiking party and those mountains are littered with corpses, you already know you can't rescue them. If I could still summit, I might. Interesting. Hmm. Andy, Andy, where art thou? He's on the phone with work. He had something come up right as I was going live, unfortunately. Saranko says, humans are both bad and good. We have the potential to do great good and great evil. Um, and I am not convinced that humans aren't more willing to take the opportunity to be evil than the opportunity to do good because for people to not even attempt to help this guy, I don't like it really doesn't sit right with me. And I don't, not surprised that people are criticizing it. But again, I know that lots of people die in these mountains, but at the same time, if the overall criticism is that these Western tourists are not treating these, these porters like human beings, there may be a bigger issue that I would say is probably down to the actual human nature underlying their character. So they don't treat them like human beings, whether at they're at sea level or whether they're up on the mountain. So either way, doesn't surprise me. Very self-oriented. Comer, oversight committee to subpoena Biden family over alleged influence peddling scandal. Oh boy. Let's see if anything comes of this. James Comer is running the Oversight Committee. House Oversight Committee Chair Rep. James Comer announced Thursday that his committee is planning to subpoena the Biden family members, including President Biden and his son Hunter, over the growing evidence the Biden's traded influence over American foreign policy for millions of dollars. We are going to subpoena the family, Comer told Fox News host Maria Bartiromo, adding, however, that he does not have a specific timeline for the subpoena because the committee wants to talk about three or four more associates' work first. We've been communicating with a couple of them, Comer continued. We're trying to bring them in just like we did Devin Archer for a transcribed interview. If they don't come in voluntarily, then they will be subpoenaed. Devin Archer, a former Biden family business partner, we know him, testified to the Oversight Committee last week that foreign oligarchs hired Hunter Biden to buy access to politicians like his father, then-VP Joe Biden. That's right. According to bank records released by the Oversight Committee Wednesday, the Bidens obtained over $20 million from oligarchs in Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. The documents also revealed how the family funneled money through several shell companies to hide the source and size of the payments. This is a complicated case, and we're being obstructed at every step of the way by the Department of Justice, by the FBI, by the Secret Service, the IRS, and the Biden family attorneys. Sounds like there's really something here that they should get to the bottom of. Comer explained the Biden's lawyers are making it harder and harder to get bank records on the Biden shell companies. They're threatening the banks, and they're, are, and they're threatening the people whose names are on some of these shell companies along with the Bidens. They're very, very worried, it sounds like. And I could not be more excited. I love this. I think they should be squirming just as hard as possible for a human to squirm. <sighs> what we're seeing every day behind the scenes from the Department of Justice, from the FBI, from the Biden attorneys, etc., should make every American sick to their stomach, he added. The Department of Justice had engaged in particularly significant criminal interference and in investigations related to the Biden family's business dealings. Yeah, the Department of Justice, let that sink in, had engaged in particularly significant criminal interference in investigations related to the Biden family's business dealings. So, Department of Justice doing criminal stuff. 
does that surprise you? It actually does surprise me a little bit because of all the things you expect to be criminal. The Justice Department is usually really low on the list. For months, the FBI illegally hid from Congress a key document related to the bribery scandal. The document, which was finally released to the public by the House Republicans in July, details allegations made by a highly credible confidential human source who said that then-VP Joe Biden and Hunter Biden accepted $5 million each from Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. The source also claimed that the Burisma executive behind the bribery scheme allegedly kept 15 audio recordings of conversations between him and Hunter and two recordings of conversations between him and then-VP Joe Biden as an insurance policy. Oh, I can't wait to hear those. I'm excited about that. Mr. Proxy says the dirt they've uncovered on the Bidens is now more like an apocalyptic wall of mud. Yeah, all the resistance they're putting up is kind of starting to feel that way. Meanwhile, IRS whistleblowers are claiming that officials within the Department of Justice purposely slow walked and eventually terminated an investigation into Hunter Biden's alleged tax crimes. And this is why I love the Federalist, because they go back all the way through and they just walk through all of the details. They put it all together for you. And then at the end, they give you a good summary. Tax crimes, which involved millions of dollars, were allegedly committed around the same time as the bribery scandal, suggesting that the DOJ purposely sabotaged the IRS investigation to protect the Bidens by preventing agents from uncovering the bribery scandal. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I'm so glad it's coming to light. Despite the explosive revelations and the widespread government obstruction, Comer emphasized how the media refuses to keep the American people informed, allowing Biden to continue to get away with insisting he had nothing to do with his son's business dealings. I wish the media would ask the president, what exactly did your family do to receive this $21 million that the House Oversight Committee has proven? Biden just continues to say, well, that's a lie. That's not true. We have their bank records, Maria. Bank records don't lie. Documents released Wednesday are the third installment of bank records from the committee. Comer told Bartiromo that the committee is not intimidated by the deep state, the Bidens, or the Biden lawyers, and the American people can't expect the committee to produce more evidence about every two weeks. Very exciting. I am looking forward to that. And I want to show you guys this thing that I retweeted earlier because gross, so gross. Philip Bump says three months ago, James Comer alleged that Biden had taken a bribe. Today, he released new information about money paid to Hunter Biden, but nothing to the president, including this bribe. So where is it? He says, my comment on this was quite a long distance from Joe never spoke to Hunter about his business dealings, aren't we? And M comments, the goalposts are no longer in the same studio stadium they began in. Indeed. And Odenbot says so many strongly worded letters are inbound. Well, if Comer is going to subpoena the Biden family, it might be more than strongly worded letters. And if their lawyers are freaking out, I think there's something here. I think there's something here for sure. We will see what happens going forward. I'm not really going to hold my breath when it comes to the Republicans. I don't know about you guys, but they have let us down too many times and man, I don't know. There's only so many different ways you can be disappointed before it's just like, what's even the point? However, I have been suitably impressed with James Comer, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the Bidens be subpoenaed. But we'll see what happens. All right, we have a bunch of other bad stuff. Again, short of breath. I hate it. All right, unredacted FBI memo uh, contradicts Christopher Ray's claim only a single field office targeted traditional Catholics. 
multiple FBI field officers were involved in the drafting of a memo targeting Catholics as potential domestic terrorists, a newly unredacted document obtained by House Republicans reveals. The discovery contradicts testimony from FBI Director Christopher Wray, who previously claimed under oath only one field office was involved. So, if you guys had any confidence in any of these three-letter agencies, let it go now, because they're all a bunch of liars, and I'm starting to feel like they're all 100% out to get us all the time. Oh my gosh, I wish I had some water or something. I take a deep breath. We talked about how they were targeting Catholics quite a while ago. I want to say like four or five months ago, we were just like, this is crazy. actually really wanted to talk to Seamus Coughlin about this stuff because he is such an ardent Catholic and he's constantly talking about the Catholic faith and he's constantly going to the Catholic mass. I think he goes Wednesday nights and Sundays. This new information suggests the FBI's use of its law enforcement capabilities to intrude on Americans' First Amendment rights is more widespread than initially suspected. Yes. Earlier this year, a leaked FBI memo dated January 23rd revealed the agency's Richmond, Virginia field office was tasked with investigating the alleged threat of white supremacy among Catholics who attend Latin Mass. I believe this was based on an SPLC note. I don't remember. I don't remember where it came from, but I remember there was criticism of where this memo came from. Let me look it up. Um, oh my gosh. This thing likes to rise up if I don't hold it down, which is really annoying. Let's see. Oh, we're not in Boston. What the heck? I don't know why our thermometer says Boston. How do we look this up? SPLC. Catholics. Catholics. I'm a catholic. Don't tell Seamus. Radical traditional Catholicism. Interesting. Yep. Uh-huh. The FBI's targeting of radical traditional Catholics bodes ill. No kidding. The memo suggests the FBI, FBI's decision to cite the SPLC, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, of course, the top result is radical traditional Catholicism. Uh-huh. May make up the largest single group of serious anti-Semites in America. The SPLC is such a joke, and it's honestly really hard for me not to swear right now because... They're just beneath contempt because they're such liars and they're such ideologically motivated snakes. Everything they say is complete nonsense. All right, let's see where we were. Among Catholics who attend Latin Mass. That's right. That includes people like Seamus Coughlin, of course, known radical, and Michael Knowles and a lot of other people. I guess it's really popular with younger people. As the Federalist Evita Duffy Alfonso previously reported, the memo said the Bureau may potentially mitigate the supposed threats of radical traditionalist Catholicism with tripwire and source development, which means further infiltration into Catholic communities using various kinds of informants. That's right. Remember, they were actually going to send informants into Catholic churches, which is just disgusting. Whatever you think about the SPLC, you should probably also apply to the FBI because it's nasty. It's just actual evil. During his July 12th testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, Ray claimed the January memo was a single product by a single field office. Don't worry about it, guys. It's not a big deal. It was just a mistake. I don't know what you're so worried about. What are you complaining about? We didn't do anything with it anyway. It was just from one, you know, it was just from one office. According to a newly unredacted version of the document obtained by House Republicans, however, that statement does not appear to be true. Who is shocked? Who is shocked here? Not me. 
After months of the FBI stonewalling Republicans' oversight efforts, the new version of the memo given to the Judiciary Committee on July 25th purportedly shows the agency's Portland and Los Angeles field offices were involved in or contributed to the creation of the FBI's assessment of traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. The document cited reporting from an FBI Portland liaison contact with indirect access who informed on a deceased racially or ethnically motivated violent extremist subject who had sought out a mainline Roman Catholic community and gravitated to Society of St. Pius X, the memo reads. In addition, the document noted how an FBI undercover employee with, quote, direct access reported on a subject who attended the SPPX-affiliated church in California for over a year prior to his relocation. The document furthermore stated that the FBI's Los Angeles field office in- initiated an investigation into the RMB subject, that is the racially or ethnically motivated violent extremist, and that the FBI Richmond office coordinated with FBI Portland in preparing the assessment. So they are coming for your churches, I think it's fair to say, and they are going after the actual Christian community, which personally, I don't know how you feel about God, but I doubt God is very happy about that at all. Username says there's maybe like 10 clan members somewhere in the South. They don't really exist any anymore. That is correct. RMV ended up on that list after the Freedom Convoy. I thought that was just a Canadian thing. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, Catholic churches do nothing but run programs to accept house and hire refugees. Yeah, so the Catholic church historically or more recently has been rather liberal um, based on their recent pope, whom I don't distinctly love because of his more liberal points of view. But at the same time, you would think that that would remove them from the FBI's watch list, right? Apparently not. Nothing is good enough for that. All right, you guys, let's look at some more censorship. I swear if this cat bites me again, I'm going to whap him with my brush. Are you listening? Yeah, goodbye. Okay. Congress probing FBI collection of phone location data as January 6th civil liberty concerns rise from Just News. Geofence warrants used to gather phone location records of all people in certain vicinities are relatively new tool raising constitutional concerns. When I saw this, the first thing I thought about was actually this that they passed in France. Lawmakers approved bill allowing French police to locate suspects by tapping their devices. Let's see if that's a geofence thing, too, because I'm not sure how they're making that work. I wish we had Andy here to talk about this, because this is right up his alley, too. He is in the hacker world, talks about this stuff. Let's see what their conclusion is. This is PBS, so probably nothing good. Sadly, once again, France is a leader in a security strategy where we approach security by surveilling everybody. It raises questions on the state of democracy and the state of French institutions. Indeed, indeed it does. Thank you for your two cents. I actually commented this without knowing this earlier today. I said there is something in my genetic background, Scottish, Irish, and French, that is shockingly weak. I'm morally disgusted by it, as I consider what it would be like to be, what it will be like to be a parent in this horrifying world. The only conclusion I can draw is that this was end with, is that this must end with me. It's all I can do. And I'm citing this source from Ireland, entitled, Ireland Gives Up on Free Speech. Ireland's, um, oh my gosh, here they go. Its new censorship law is so vague and expansive that it can only be applied capriciously. They are putting the Bible on a short list of horrible, hateful words to look out for. That's all you need to know. 
Scotland's new hate crime act will have a chilling effect on free speech. It is the latest example of growing authoritarianism. And this is not from a conservative source. This is from the world ahead, which I don't believe is in any way right leaning. And finally from Engadget, French assembly passes bill allowing police to remotely activate phone cameras and microphones for surveillance. So this isn't geofencing. This is not geofencing. This is crazy granular stuff where they can turn on your camera and your microphone to listen to you and to watch you. So if you're in France, be very careful and know that they might keep an eye on you, especially if you're listening to people like me. Unfortunately, I know for sure that I'm already on a whole bunch of lists just because I bumped elbows with people like Alex Jones. But incredibly disturbing and disgusting to see this in the U.S. because we are supposed to have constitutional barriers against this kind of thing, but we don't. Texas Ranger says, miss you, Andy. I do too. I don't know what he's doing. Come on, man. It's the most important thing in your life. I'm just kidding. I guess work's pretty important too. We are, after all, a mostly single-income household. Couple this with what we learned from a testimony from a whistleblower at the FBI a few months back where Bank of America just turned over their customers' debit card and credit card purchases in the D.C. area around January 6th. I mean, this is scary stuff. It's so contrary to the principles that our country was founded on. You can't just have the government sweep up everything about you trying to figure out if you did something wrong. That is not how our system works. Now, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe this is something straight out of Minority Report where you have pre-crime and you have these agents who are constantly looking for these people who might or might not have committed these crimes in the future. That's very much what this feels like this is heading toward. And with the rise of technology, I'm not convinced that we won't end up living in that kind of dystopia on the way. Let's see if that actually is Minority Report. Minority. Yes, Tom Cruise. I think I saw part of it. Futuristic film portraying elements of both dystopian and utopian future. Oh, let's see here. John, Tom Cruise, haunted by the disappearance of his young son many years ago. Oh, to cope with the grief, he works at a crime dot dot dot. Ah, uh, yeah. In a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. I think I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. That sounds really amazing and prescient, unfortunately, because it really feels like this is what they're pushing us toward. Did you commit the wrong kind of thinking? You might be guilty of some crime that we haven't pinned down yet. We should probably just take you into jail anyway. Username says, it is Minority Report. The PS2 game was fun. Serenko says, France, ew, this person has Alex Jones cooties. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Andy, for linking us to a YouTube video that I'm not going to watch right now. Uh, let's see here. It makes sense that the Klan would hate ever anyone who accepts Israel. Yes, generally there. Indeed, too spicy. I agree. Glad that Andy could join us. About time. Catholics are not white supremacists. I completely agree. Texas Rangers. Um, I think that they're trying to paint everybody in a certain religious category, a.k.a. Christian, as actual terrorists. And this is something that people like Andy, who were prescient enough to notice, was coming down the line when the Patriot Act was signed. I did not know what I thought about the Patriot Act at the time. I was only, let's see, how old was I? I was 10 years old when that went through. So I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention. That's right. I didn't really start having deep thoughts about politics until I was about 11. Um, and certainly not as far as the Patriot Act was going. Now, that's enough bad news, but I have one more thing to leave, leave you with. 
Oh, it's just more and more bad news. Virality circuit breakers. Taxpayer-funded researchers devise new stealth censorship strategies. This is so good. So they're getting you from both angles. They're getting you with the thought crime, and they're getting you with the word crimes. Taxpayer and billionaire-backed researchers admit new techniques could allow big tech to minimize, to minimize public relations challenges from direct removal of social posts. That's great. I'm so glad they're doing this. A digital free speech watchdog is warning that federally funded researchers have captured and examined millions of Twitter posts they deemed to be misinformation during the 2020 election and used them to devise new strategies that one day could empower big tech to censor or throttle content while keeping the affected users and public in the dark. So this is an ongoing war to see who can censor more and faster. And I'm starting to think that the only possible solution to this kind of thing is a parallel economy where people can go to have these conversations outside of big tech. We can't rely on Elon Musk for everything. And this is what I've been talking about for such a long time. Since Elon Musk first took over Twitter, I said we need more than a single point of failure. We cannot just rely on one person. And we still know. I see people constantly talking about how even though um, Elon Musk took over the Twitter sphere, there are still issues with the algorithm. There is still shadow banning. A lot of this stuff is still going on. And one of the things that people used to notice about Jack Dorsey was that he seemed to be completely oblivious of the things that were going on at his own company. And I think that's entirely possible that it's still happening, especially if you have people who are ideologically opposed to Elon Musk's desire for freedom of speech. Foundation for Freedom Online says the work done last year by members of the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public after receiving taxpayer grants devised new strategies like virality circuit breakers and nudges that could prevent certain users from spreading content without any apparent evidence that they were being censored. I'm so glad this is where my taxpayer dollars are going. Isn't that nice? As if taxation being theft weren't already bad enough. The study is a roadmap on how to censor people using secret methods so that they would not know they're being censored, so that it wouldn't generate an outrage cycle, and so it would be more palatable for the tech platforms who wouldn't get blowback because people wouldn't know they were being censored. Mike Benz, a former State Department diplomat specializing in U.S. foreign policy on international communications and information technology buyers, excuse me, pulled the Just the News television show Monday night. Much of the academic research was published published in a little-known article published last summer in the journal Nature Human Behavior entitled Combining Interventions to Reduce the Spread of Viral Misinformation that identified a cocktail of four tools that the researchers projected could reduce the spread of content deemed misinformation by as much as 63% without direct removal of posts or time-consuming fact-checks. And he says, you don't support the Support USA Cute Puppies Act? That's right. That's what they always name these laws. And every time Rand Paul votes against the Support USA Cute Puppies Act, people are like outraged and shocked and horrified, including some Republicans. But the reason that he's against these things is because there's always something rolled in. There's always something in the details, always something in the fine print that he catches that other people don't. And that's why he votes against this stuff smart man. Everyone should be so wise. The researchers who included the University of Washington's Jevin Day West, D. West, and Kate Starbird. That name is very familiar to me. Kate Starbird. I think she worked with, I think she worked with the government. In fact, let's look her up in a minute. 
that last name is like very unique. Acknowledged the new tactics like virality circuit breakers were less detectable to users and the public and therefore could spare social media giants the public outcries that occurred in 2020 when stories like the Hunter Biden laptop were publicly removed from platforms. This approach allows platforms to consider ethical ramifications while minimizing the public relations challenges accompanying direct forms of action. So you can read the full story here, and then they have a link to a PDF file. You guys should definitely check out this article. Great article. I hadn't heard anything about this from anyone else. This is so important. So here's what happens. The government calls up these big tech giants and says things like, hmm, maybe you should throttle Trump's tweets. Hmm, maybe you should take the Hunter Biden laptop story down. Maybe you should remove Alex Jones. Maybe you should make sure this doesn't get out. Maybe you should throttle COVID misinformation, all this other vaccine stuff that we're not sure about. And the big tech companies say, hmm, maybe, yeah, they hem and haw, they go back and forth. But to pay them back, the government spends our taxpayer dollars to try to find ways to allow them to censor Americans more effectively without Americans knowing that they're being censored. This is like the grossest crossbreeding that I've ever heard of. Truly disgusting, but not surprising. Is anyone else surprised? Man, my cynicism... I'm constantly grossed out by how ineffectual my cynicism is. It's just never enough. While acknowledging more research needed to be done, the researchers concluded their framework was one that can be adopted in the near future without requiring large-scale censorship or major advances in cognitive psychology and machine learning. They also acknowledged their work was furthered by two taxpayer-funded grants from the National Science Foundation. Uh Uh-huh. In a statement to Just the News on Monday evening, West said the ideas in the published paper were theoretical only and concerned about the impact of the research on free speech involved a fundamental misunderstanding of the paper that appears to be based on non-factual distortion and falsehoods. Oh, you mean misinformation! That's crazy! It's almost like you have an agenda you're pushing, and anyone who pushes back on that is magically spreading misinformation and should probably be throttled and muted without their knowledge. What do you say? In other words, he considered criticism of the work to be disinformation. That's exactly what I just said. Good summary, just the news. This research was entirely theoretical and aimed only to assess the impact that different potential social media interventions would have on the spread of COVID-19 misinformation and disinformation. Furthermore, the paper made no policy or tactical recommendation to social media platforms or the federal government. That's right. It's just like Joe Biden. He never actually got any of the money in his bank account. We can't find that in the bank records. Check and mate, Republicans. That means it never happened. Dun, dun, dun. No, wrong. You're liars. You made the suggestions. Everyone's watching you. You know that big tech is listening. You know the federal government is listening. That's why you did this. So, 30 hands at arm's length. Good for you. These people, I swear. There was no follow-up from them, for, from them, and we have no idea what, if anything, any of these entities did with the learnings from our paper. Yeah, we have no idea what happened here. We're completely innocent. We're pure as a driven snow. All we did was the homework with that said that, oh, yeah, we can silence this, the free speech rights of free American citizens without their knowledge. And then we just handed it over to the federal government. We don't know what happened next. Probably nothing, but whatever did end up happening not our fault. Move along. Ha, sorry. West study acknowledged support for the research from new two NSF grants, a $197,000 grant to the University of Washington in 2020 for a project entitled 
How Scientific Data, Knowledge, and Expertise Mobilize in Online Media During the COVID-19 Crisis, and a $550,000 grant to the same university for a project entitled Unraveling Online Disinformation Trajectories, Applying and Translating a Mixed Method Approach to Identify, Understand, and Communicate Information Provenance. In addition to these grants, federal records show Starboard Center at the University of Washington received a five-year, $2.25 million grant from the NSF stretching through 2026. So this is ongoing for rapid response frameworks for mitigating online disinformation. The researchers acknowledged in the study that they modeled some of their research on concepts used to validate climate change. Interesting. We take a similar approach to climate models to validate our model internally. Well, that means that they won't work because we know that climate change is based on nothing. Oh gosh, I'm going to get censored now. Watch, this won't be monetized. Elsewhere, the researchers also declared their hope that the theoretical approach one day could be used to combat resistance to several of liberals' favorite policy objectives. Our results highlight a practical path forward as misinformation online continues to threaten vaccination efforts, equity, and democratic processes around the globe. So this is clearly, clearly, revoltingly motivated by ideological purposes. Disgusting. Benz, whose nonprofit has played a major role exposing non-public-private efforts to censor content online that are now the subject of congressional investigations and lawsuits, said the study appeared to offer to open a new uh, front in the disinformation wars that could further disguise censorship so it can't be contested or shamed. Mm-hmm. Mr. Proxy says, at least you got one congressman who actually reads the, leg, the law that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, they go on and on. I think I am going to put this link in the description of the video because it is so important and I feel like this has been hugely overlooked. I'm actually going to share it on my Twitter as well right now because it is so important. Let me make a tweet about this. You guys can watch me write a tweet here. Did, oops, (laughs) did you know the U.S. used taxpayer funds? I know you can't really hear me. I gotta keep this from popping up. I gotta get Andy to tighten this mic up a little bit to figure out. <laughs> See, it's magical. It just floats up how to censor and silence your heretical views without you ever finding that out. This should be the biggest story today. And I mean that very sincerely. I don't care about this political stuff. And he says it's like the opposite of ASMR. Thanks, dear. Appreciate that. Username says, I love when the government department that's accused of corruption investigates itself and says it is in fact not corrupt. Yes, that is the best. That's how you know they're telling the truth because they investigated themselves. There we go. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I wanted to have a little thumbnail. What the heck? Where'd it go? Come on, Twitter. Twitter's sometimes super annoying. Oh, well. Yep. Anyway, I want to share that with you guys. Pass it on. Serenko says RMSA. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I know. It's not great. Come fix my mic. Darn it. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. I always have a blast talking to you guys. Uh, enjoy this exposure of our room as we always do show our pillows and our bed blanket and everything we have to we're forced to make our bed every single day because if we don't you guys will see it and shame us and I appreciate 
appreciate that for sure. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again so much for joining me tonight. I'm very sorry that Andy can join us in a greater capacity. I'm going to put a link to this article about virality circuit breakers in the description of this video, which means you'll also be able to see it on all the podcast platforms this goes up on. I'm also going to put a link to that, the gateway program information, because that was really interesting too. If you guys want to delve into that for sure. All right, guys, have a good night. You know, like we always say, stay safe, stay well, stay out of target until next time. Bye guys.